The Chaser Report is recorded on Gadigal land. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report with Dom and Charles. The Wallabies have had a shocker in France. Our worst loss in World Cup history, getting demolished by Wales, 40 points to six. What on earth went wrong? How did coach Eddie Jones, with one of the best CVs in the game, Stuff things up so badly, winning just one game this year and losing seven. And did he take a meeting with Japan about going and working back there during World Cup where he was supposed to be coaching our national team? One man who is fired up about this is former Wallaby and prolific author and journalist Peter Fitzsimons of the Sydney Morning Herald. He has written in the Herald today that Jones has to go pronto, straight away, out the door. He says there's light at the end of the tunnel, but Jones needs to be off at the next stop in a moment. Peter Fitzsimons will join us on the line from France. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Peter Fitzsimons, welcome back to the Chaser Report. Well, you've taken your time, Dom, to get me on the Chaser Report. <laughs> Dot three carry one to track two. It must be what now? Seven years. And I, I would have come on earlier, but unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, I've never been invited. Didn't you come on to talk about the Republic with Charles at one point? Uh, oh, I did too. <laughs> you, you, you ran us through the Fitzsimons model. Um, but you, you talk so much about that that I'm not surprised. Charles is quite forgettable. I wasn't there that day. I was busy. So um, I appreciate you coming back live from, from France, of all places, where you've been following the yeah. Wallabies. Are you still glad you made the trip, <laughs> given the column you've just written about yes. the worst? Look, I, I played rugby for four years in France. I've got a lot of French friends. I love being back here and seeing all, a lot of my old mates and people I've played with and against. And the World Cup brings people from all over the world. So... I call it the carnival of the cauliflower ears. You've got to have broken nose and cauliflower ears or you don't quite fit in. But it's, uh, it's been wonderful on that account. But the Wallabies, it's been, it's been quite gutting to see it up close. And I must say, completely mystifying. You know, I just, I, there's a lot of things I don't understand. I went about six weeks ago or five weeks ago, I went to my first Wallaby training 20 years and attended their training session, their first training session the Wallabies had in Paris. There were two drones in the sky. There were three guys on computers at one end feeding information from those drones. They had 30 Wallabies on the field going through various drills and, and things. There must have been at least that many coaches and support staff. It was a seriously well-resourced operation operating at a level that I can only imagine when I was playing 35 years ago. And yet, Despite that level of sophistication, when we came down to showtime playing against Fiji, 
the ball went up twice in the second half. Nobody called out, mine, mine, <laughs> which is, that's what you remember, Dom, from the Sydney Grammar under 12. That's what you were taught. The ball goes up. Seriously, the ball goes up. Somebody's got to call out. And this was, you know, highly paid professionals and nobody called out mine. And the ball bounced between. And in the first occasion, Fiji gathered and scored what proved to be effectively the winning try. With a minute to go in that same match, the Wallabies were down by seven points, seven points behind uh, Fiji. And there was only one way. You know, you don't have to understand rugby intimately, the professional game, to understand there was only one way we could have won that game. That was to hold onto the ball with 60 seconds to go and charge it downfield. Everybody, you know, hold it, don't kick it, hold it, lay it back. If everybody does it, we keep doing it. Without turning it over, we're going to score a try and hold, you know, level the scores. Instead of that, they kicked and they kicked and they kicked again. And it's just incomprehensible to me because I don't speak to you as an expert on rugby of the modern game. I'm not. I don't understand the modern game. But I can tell you this, with a minute to go, you don't kick it away. And I've talked to other guys that do understand it. You know what I'm saying? I don't really get this. But was that as mad as I think it was? And the answer was, yes. Was it as mad as I think it was to have seven penalties in the second half against Fiji where we, the tackle player goes down, the ruck forms over the top of him, and we get penalised seven times. Now, what, if it was for not releasing the ball or standing over, or take, I don't know what it was, but it was seven penalties for the same, you know, in the same area when we were pressing their line. We come up to the game against Wales and you know, the ball's not thrown in straight. And we've got a we've got a line out where we're pressing their line to go to the lead and the Welsh guy catches it without a wallaby within two metres of him either side. Now, these things are basic things and what I don't get and my starting point is that Eddie Jones is a brilliant coach. You know, no doubt about it. In his time, he's been the most accomplished coach that ever lived. Quite seriously, in rugby union. He, in 2003, coached the Wallabies to get to the World Cup final. 2007. Oh, don't, don't remind me about that World Cup final, Pete. I, I'm still... Okay. <laughs> I'm, my heart still hasn't recovered but, from Johnny Wilkinson. But, but the resume, he's assistant coach to the Springboks in 2007. In 2015, he coaches Japan to beat the Springboks. In 2019, he coaches England to humiliate the All Blacks in the semi-final and admittedly lose to South Africa in the final. But, you know, of all the coaches in all the world that have ever lived that have coached in rugby, there is nobody that's got a resume of success that's even close to that of Eddie Jones. He is a great coach. But this year... It just, it just simply not only hasn't worked, it's just been catastrophic. And so as I wrote about this in the Herald the other day, that as sort of this stuff's going along where you see, you know, constant chopping and changing and leaving Michael Hooper and Quade Cooper behind and picking the youngest team, I think I'm, I've got this voice, you know, thinking, saying to me, this is, this is a bit odd, but look, this is Eddie Jones. He knows 10 times more than I ever will. And then we've got six captains in five, five captains in six matches. And I'm thinking, geez, that, that seems a bit strange <laughs> to me. But look, this is Eddie. This is, he'll know what he's doing. And when, when we got to the end of the Welsh game, it all came crashing in on me. This has been every bit as mad as I think it is. And I just, I don't understand why a coach as accomplished as Eddie, as good as Eddie, as brilliant as Eddie, with a force of personality as strong as Eddie, has coached a team that doesn't call out my when the ball goes up. It's pretty astounding with a scoreline of 40-6 to six against Wales. Admittedly, you know, a very good team in this day and age, a team that traditionally we would have expected Australia to, to flatten. Do you think it's possible that after all this success, after essentially bucking conventional wisdom in other jobs, backing himself 
and, and being vindicated time and time again, do you think it comes to the point where you just trust your instincts and don't listen? I mean, his record this year has been one win, seven losses. So the rot was setting in even before the World Cup started. It's just baffling that it's gotten to this point, particularly with a team that you know very few people knew uh, at the start of the, the yeah. World Cup. Like, well, hey, well, who are these well, Wallabies again? Where's Quade Cooper? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's truth in that. As I mentioned, the youngest team, and you know, there's 20 teams here from around the world, and our, our blokes are the youngest because Eddie basically wiped out the veteran class. But on that question of you know where it all went wrong, there is a strange parallel here, and it's one I am expert in, Alan Jones. Now, I I I, I, doubt I was going to ask. Well, I, Alan Jones is the one person who would say he had a better CV than Eddie Jones. It occurred to me. Uh, when you um, well, when you mentioned, well, but, but but Alan Jones, Alan only, Alan Jones. I I would I bow to nobody in my bitter criticism of Alan Jones <laughs> on a hundred things, um, and each one of them justified. But I've always to do Jones his due as a rugby coach. He was brilliant. He was he was a professional before his time. He extracted from us a professional performance without money changing hands. And so for the first three years of Jones's tenure, the Wallabies barely lost. I I, I suspect you know the win ratio was probably something like you know 80 percent which included mm. the grand slam he was a brilliant coach and then in 1987 he he believed his own stuff and he could do no wrong and he made strange selections and he exhausted the players under him and i, I was long gone by that point. but he lost five games four, four five matches in a row they didn't have a victory i think there was a draw in with wales somewhere there but you know he went from phenomenal success to crashing down and it just being a disaster and that's been been Eddie I mean Eddie Eddie's track record in all these teams that I've mentioned has been that he simply his intensity wears people out but that intensity also gets performance you know the stories of losing a test match at 10:30 at night and calling a meeting in his room at 6am the following day for the assistant coach those stories are legion where he exhausts people and so as I put in the Herald the other day when you know we when the news broke that Rugby Australia has signed Eddie Jones. I don't know if I was first into print, but I wasn't far off saying this is a great thing. This is a brutal but brilliant move. There'll be lots of tears before bedtime. There'll be coaches leaving. There'll be veterans wiped out with, with, with no with no politeness, no no courtesy. It'll be it'll be ugly. But the beauty will come because Eddie will get this team in hand and we will get performance. And nobody saw coming that you could possibly have Eddie Jones with the talent he's got available. And there are talented players in those Wallabies. They are There are very good players in those Wallabies, but they played with absolutely no cohesion at all. And, you know, it was it, it looked like 15 individuals doing their very best, but they're seeing no pattern of play that well, no pattern successful. And that was another thing while I've got your ear, Dom, that I, I I always tell the story back in Sydney University team 30 years ago, Nick Farr-Jones, the Wallaby World Cup winning captain, mm. was the captain of Sydney University first grade for the first seven matches of, of the uh, of the shoot shield season and we won six out of seven. He then goes off the Wallaby duties. I take over as captain. I think we lost seven out of seven. I'm not a good captain. You know, I did I don't read the game. I didn't read the game. I didn't understand the game. But I've written biographies of Far Jones and John Eels, both of whom were good captains. And the essence of good captaincy, I'd say a two couple a couple of things. One is has to have, like Far Jones, this white hot intensity of desire to win that if you're on his team, all you can do is try to hold on, to try to get 
get somewhere near his level of intensity. But you need the captain to be just eyeballs rolling, desperate to win. You also need the captain to be what Eels was, that when you were trying a particular method to to get upfield that wasn't working or you were getting hammered, you change tactics. You bring everybody in hand saying, right, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. That's not working. Do this. And what I don't understand, again, is, in as I mentioned, against Fiji, seven or eight penalties, whatever it was, in mm. that second half where the player got tackled, the ball didn't come out or somebody took out somebody standing over the ball or was offside or whatever. But it was absolutely crushing that about every four or five minutes, penalties, Raider not releasing the ball, penalties, whatever it was, where we're pressing their line, they get a penalty. There was nobody there to say, Dom, listen to me. Stop this. Stop this. You know, this is this this is insane. Against against uh, Wales again, I don't have the stats, but it must have been five or six or seven or eight, whatever it was. It was a half. Let's go with half a dozen. Half a dozen times in that second half against Wales, there was a scrum penalty where we collapse or something happens. But it just happened time and time and time again, and it just killed us. And another thing, while I got your attention, that I got to the match you know, through through the crush of people getting to. To see Wales versus Wallabies. And I got there, I guess, with 40, 40 minutes to go. As I take my seat, out to the right, I see the Welsh team, each one of whom has a face like thunder. You know, they look like, yes, we are playing for our lives in the most significant match. We've got to win this. We've got to beat the Wallabies. We've got to get through to the quarterfinals. The pride of our nation depends upon it. And they were doing these drills. And, you know, like there was, there was everybody was doing the one thing, whatever it was. Um, out to my left, I see the Wallabies. And, you know, they're coming out. Some, maybe there was a mate. 15 guys out there when I saw it just running back and forth and next to each other and various things and over the next 20 minutes I guess um, maybe they may say the next 10 minutes the rest of them trailed out until they were sort of all out there and then they did do a few drills but the mood was not faces like thunder mm, so the you're behind for the start there well, that's I, I was looking at it, and I don't, as I say, I have no expertise in the way modern rugby is played, but I fancy my knowledge of rugby values, and I, I, I remember in the 2003 World Cup, I put a piece on the front page of the Herald saying the Wallabies' role in this 2003 World Cup, they are going to be roadkill before the all-black juggernaut. And I'm told <laughs> the Wallabies put that up on the drawing board, whatever, and said, this, this is what, you know, the media is saying about us. Okay, we're going to prove them wrong. And make Fitzsimons look like a dickhead. <laughs> Thank Not you for your hard. service. But they did. They, they nearly won the whole thing. Yeah, well, they did. Well, but, what, but truly, I wrote that they were going to make the All Blacks. They were going to be great kill for the All Blacks. And I was there. And, when, and, the, and the All Blacks came out, and they looked good. The Wallabies came out. And they looked like thunder. They were this pent-up aggression, emotion, passion, whatever it was. But from the moment they came out, I thought, these guys look different. You know, you can pick it. I always think in an NRL match, on the kickoff, I reckon a minute in, I've always got a reasonably good idea of who wants this the most. What's the feel? And so for that match with Wales versus Wallabies, I simply had no clue how there appeared to be more tension in the stands of people like me going, mm. geez, this is, you know, we're, this, we're playing for sheep stations here. If we win this, we get through to the quarterfinals. If we lose, Armageddon's only about three stops up ahead. And I, I, I had that feeling and I sort of put it down. No, no, no. Eddie knows what he's doing. Eddie will get these guys to perform. And despite you and I chatting for 20 minutes, I, I, I hope I've made clear, I have no clue 
why a coach as accomplished as Eddie Jones, a brilliant coach with a resume second to none, was able to preside over that mess. I don't know what went wrong. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Chaser Report. News you know you can't trust. They've got one more game to try and salvage a, a bit of pride at this tournament. And then in four years, we're hosting. We've got the chance to get the home crowd advantage that the Matildas took such advantage of in the Women's World Cup. But rugby seems on, on the downward spiral at the moment. I mean, it's not just this World Cup. It's, it's lost viewers in recent years. It seems not to have quite the same national attention that it once had in a more crowded sporting marketplace, I guess, with all these other... Um, national teams, the women's games uh, are coming to the forefront as they have. What do we do in the next four years to try and put together a decent Wallabies team? Is there a combination out there that, that might get us there? Do we stick with the youth now that they've started? Or do we need to just go back to the drawing board, get a blend of experience and some of these new players and just say, you know what, that was a bad year. Let's just begin again, burn the whole place down and... Um, and start from scratch. Well, there was a brilliant piece written about this in the Herald today. As a matter of fact, I wrote it. <laughs> and the theme, the theme of it is, we do have to rebuild. I think the first thing is you've got to let Eddie go. You've got to say to Eddie, "Look, we'll write you a reference for Japan Rugby Union. You're a brilliant coach. You're a well, great they're person. asking, aren't they? Yeah. Do you believe that they well, that he had the meeting? Well, Tom, Tom Decent, my colleague at the Herald's broken all the stories in this field. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's the one that broke that story that about the, about Eddie doing an interview. And I think from memory, I think there's three candidates. The story is Eddie's one of them. Um, you know, and Eddie, Eddie's associate, his mother is Japanese. Mm. I think Eddie speaks reasonable Japanese, but, you know, he's, he's, he's the most accomplished coach of the Japanese side they've ever had. The all black Jamie Joseph is about to stand down. So, you know, and Eddie sort of denied us, but, you know, if you, you said to me here, Dom, that if you said on the, in the public airways, um, I've seen get seal uh, donuts from the school cafeteria, <laughs> I would I would say, well, that's just simply not true. I'd be angry about it. I'd say that's just not true. You know, that's absolutely not true. So when it was put to Eddie that you know you've you've uh, you've You've been doing interviews. This is a press conference after Lyon. You've done in interviews with Japan Rugby. Eddie makes two replies. One, I don't know anything about that, mate. Well, Eddie, you do know something about that because it's been on the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald, so there's a start. It's the talking point of Australian rugby, so you know what we're talking about. And, you know, he repeated it twice. I don't know I don't know anything about that, mate. And then the thing is, well, will you commit? Are you committed to Australian, to Australian rugby? And the answer is, I have made, I think the phraseology was, I am committed committed to Australian rugby, there was, there was nothing about the future. It was careful language that mm. did not include a robust denial. And I can tell you, you know, for a story like that, the Herald does not go to print unless we're damn sure of it, you know, absolutely sure of it. Yeah, look, um, a, a carefully worded denial is always suspicious in this day and age. But that, as you write in your piece, that may well provide an elegant solution at this point. It is disappointing. I mean, But, but the thing is, Dom, the, the, the thing is, Dom, you work for the Chaser Report. 
if you were doing interviews right no 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 but if you if you were doing interviews right now for let's say Channel Nine the current affair, you know, so in the unlikely event that they said we need Dom Knight because his his brand of interviewing and comedy and satire is so brilliant that, that, that I mean I'm saying this that'd be unlikely to recognise your brilliance. But if you were doing interviews <laughs> with an alternative employer while being at the Chaser Report, no problem because that's the way it works sure. in the you know, in the media media world, that's no problem. But in rugby union, when you've been hired, you know, a million bucks a year or whatever the figure is, around about that, for five years and you're really seven or eight months into taking over the reins mm. and you're saying into the in the dressing room, you're saying to the players, bleed for the jersey, love the jersey, I'm here to I'm here to resuscitate Australian rugby. And I when I interviewed Eddie in Paris, he said, Look, I had to tear it all apart because it's not working. Okay, well geez, all right, you're torn it all down, but let's see it work. Okay. Well at the same time you're saying that you're doing an interview for another nation to get employment from them, your authority in the Australian dressing room is gone, mate, and it'll never come back. Yeah, particularly at a World Cup, you can't you can't do that, have it be a distraction at a time like this. Well, well I think legally, I, I suspect the lawyers will say, and I've got no expertise in this field, although I, I, I did study a few subjects of law at Sydney University, but the lawyers would say there's, I don't think there's any suggestion of any breach of contract, but... It's it's at the very least improper, you know. It's mate, you, you're meant to you're being paid to concentrate on Australian rugby. Having a distraction like that mm. and being seen to look for employment, coaching another nation. I mean, it, it, it just hasn't worked. And I think the way forward is to say, Eddie Jones, you have been a brilliant servant of Australian rugby. You know, Australian rugby can be proud of your contribution to world rugby over the last 20 years. And as a player, Eddie was a great player for Randwick. He's the unluckiest man alive, never to have played for the Wallabies. It just so happened that just as his time came, and I was around at the time, just as his time came to get into the Wallaby side, Phil Kearns, came out of nowhere, reserve grade Randwick to be picked for the Wallabies ahead of Eddie Jones. He should have, you know, he's very unlucky not to be a Wallaby. From reserve grade, really? Oh, man. Yep. Yeah. And so he has been a great contributor to rugby. He has devoted his life to rugby. He's got a rugby resume of coaching second to no one. However, it just hasn't worked this year. Yeah. It's been a disaster and there's no sign of it being anything other than a disaster on his watch. And you say, you know, one game for redemption. I say, no, Dom. Portugal, it just, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll beat Portugal. That, out the door before Portugal. Interesting. Well, fits you there. You could step in for the final game. <laughs> no. Just, you wouldn't need to do much coaching. You just say, you know, when, when the ball's up in the air, one of you just needs to yell mine. Yeah. And when you've when you've conceded a couple of penalties, because this is what ruins a rugby game is when there's a string of penalties. We all know that. You know, maybe no, don't do my, the thing that point, keeps giving away the penalties. Well, there's that. My point on Portugal is they could beat them a hundred mil. It won't. It won't change anything. Yeah. The only thing that would be significant out of that game would be if they lost. And Portugal's not nothing. You know, they are really not nothing. They've given. They gave Romania. They gave uh, Georgia a good game. They've. They've. They've had a real go. Um, and they've got some good players. As a matter of fact. Um, Somebody I know very closely is about just taking a position as their new, well, their coming coach. So oh, we'll dear. see what happens there. But I'm now terrified we're going to lose <laughs> to Portugal. No, we'll beat Portugal. But look, it's just, we've got to say to Eddie, there's got to be a way to say, give each other a hug and everybody move back to their corners and we start to rebuild Australian rugby. I would I would ask Robbie Deans to come back, possibly Steve Larkham, possibly Darren Coleman. If, if Robbie didn't say yes, then you'd go straight to Steve Larkham or, or Darren Coleman, who coaches New South Wales, who's very highly regarded. You know, he's, he has yet achieved great results 
for the Waratahs. Well, Larkin was a genius on the field. Him, him I remember very clearly um, with, with the with the headgear. Steve Larkin. Yeah. Does he wear the headgear as he coaches? Right. I think he should. He probably should. All right. Thank you, Dom. Thank you for thank you for venting. Look, we'll offer Eddie Jones to try and lure him away. We'll, we'll get him as deputy rugby correspondent for the Chaser Report um, in the event that you're not available. Thank you for your time, and I'm I'm sorry you had to go through that, but look, four years to try and and. Uh, fix things and won't it be amazing if they manage to pull it together on home soil given the terrible terrible world cup they've had you can read about it in the sydney morning Herald. thanks mate all right thanks fitz our gear is from road we're part of the iconoclast network catch you next time planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.